uh, through prayer and worship, amen, through our music ministry.
Our text this morning is coming from the New Testament, the second Corinthians letter, the second letter that we have recorded from Paul in our Bible to Corinth. Second Corinthians will be in chapter five, going to lift up verses 17 and 18. I'm just going to lift up these two verses in the hearing. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The word of God reads. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this, a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. As we continue to be led by worship through our music ministry. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
And as we look at how what it means to be new, means that something that has not experienced before. As we're stepping into this new year with new ideas and enthusiasm for greater things to come, we understand what has been done is the past. And so we look towards the future with some sense of hope and some sense of expectancy of joys ahead. As we look forward, we want to move forward with that same energy and acceptance that things are going to be better than they have before. Now, I want to ask you to think about how are you moving forward? Are you moving forward with a goal in mind? Many of us may have a New Year's resolution. Maybe you have a vision table. Maybe you have something new that you wrote down, but you say, these are my goals for this year. It might be health, it might be your physical uh, responsibilities, it uh, might be career responsibilities, it might be education, but whatever it is, you have set a goal that you want to go to. Or maybe some of you might be looking back at your past, and as you're looking at your past, you're saying, these are the things that I have happened to me that I do not want to have happen for me in this year. And so you're looking at your past, but you're hoping for and searching for a better future. But yet you don't have goals, you don't have a vision board, you don't have ideas of how to go, but you just say, I hope something's going to work out. Then you have some that are just moving forward, running from their past. They're not looking what's behind them, they're just running from what's behind them, hoping that whatever I get into is going to be better. But what I encourage you is that each one has an idea that something ahead of me it's better than what's behind me. My goal is, do you know which direction you are going? If Christ is your center, if Christ is your goal, uh, then I, I will encourage that you are headed in the right direction. Let Christ be your guidance. Not what you heard popular on the TV show, a podcast, a radio show, or a top-selling book other than the Bible. But yet, let the Christ in our Bible that guides us and teaches what is right, what is true, what is holy, what brings glory unto God, be your guidepost. Then for Christ will lead you to know that how much he loves you. This letter, we're going to unpack, uh, this in Second Corinthians, we're in the fifth chapter, but this letter is the second in our Bible to Corinthians. Some suggest that this is not the only letter that Paul has written, but what we have in this doctrine. Some suggest also uh, that Paul has written to them numerous times that this possibly might be two, two letters combined up to them. But yet also, when we look at this text, you see the tension here is different than the first time he wrote to them, but yet you can see that he still encouraged them that it's all about Jesus. Tell your neighbors all about Jesus. See, when we make it about Jesus, it helps us to remove those things that are not like him and hold on to the things that are like him. And so he, this is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, verse 14, for either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Let me read that one more time when you grab that. 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, verse 14. Stay with me. Keep your Bible open. Try not to fall asleep. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. 
Paul to stay in we here because he's talking about him and Timothy and others that are saying, hey, we are dead to this old life, but we're alive in this new life. What new life is he talking about? He's talking about the love of Christ that controls us. What controls you? What holds you? What the holds you? What moves you to wake up in the morning? Moves you to get to your job? Moves you to go take care of your loved ones and your children? What moves you? Here it is, Paul said, what moves me? What controls me is the love of Jesus. So let us now live in this new life, in this life of power, in the love of Christ, this love of Christ that is expressed in his sacrificial death on the cross. God's love expressed to us in his only begotten son. Second Corinthians 5th chapter, verse 15. Y'all still with me? Y'all still in that same chapter? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Watch that. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. In this new life, in this new year that we're living, am I living for Christ? Or am I living for myself? Myself should have been dead, should have been crucified with Christ on the cross. Here's the people think that even before I knew him, even before I confessed that I loved him, he first loved me. And since he first loved me, he gave up his life so that I might have life and have life more abundantly. So if I am under the control, I'm under the support of God's love, then I understand that I will no longer live for myself, but live for him. The love of Jesus calls us to be our best. And to turn from our sins and move forward with Jesus, working for the kingdom of God. And living for his glory. Encouraged by his love, we leave this old self and embrace this new. Again, something new is something that has not been experienced before, something that has not been expressed before, something that is different. And so, therefore, we should be different. We should not be the same. Let's change to our a verse of the theme of all. Verse 17 of this fifth chapter. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We must understand that this new life that we have, we're not doing it by ourselves. We're not souls. We're not by ourselves. But yet we have help. We have strength. We have support. And that support and that power and that strength comes from God. Tell your neighbor, I'm stronger with God. See, this is what Paul is talking about because he's speaking about personal experience. He's saying here in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter, verses 7 to 10, talking about how we are precious jars. And he's talking about how these jars of clay, uh, they're, they're fragile, but yet somehow we don't shatter. We may crack, we may get bruised up, but yet we don't shatter. I'm going to encourage you with 20 He's saying that no matter what we've gone through, there's something that's in us stronger than what we're going through. Am I talking to somebody here? Some of y'all haven't fallen off. I, I, I 
I'll show you verse 9. So you're still in your fifth chapter. Go back to the fourth chapter, verse 7 to 10. I'm going to read it to you. New Living Translation says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile flame jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by our God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to shed in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our body. Paul was pointing out that what we have been going through in preaching this gospel has not been for vanity's sake. Though we've been persecuted, though we've been, been, been tried and been beaten and left for dead, we are able to get back up again. Am I really talking to somebody here that's looking at that? If I look, if I look back at 2002, I don't know how I made it through, but it was by God's grace. It was by God's mercy. I, I, I've been this for some of you, and I've hugged some of you. Y'all can see cars from other people, but I know what you've been through. I, I've seen some of you. So I don't know everybody, so I know some of you. So I know that you told me yourself that it's by God's mercy. You've been able to accept what's going on. It's not how you planned it. It's not how you wanted it. But yet that's how it came. And yet you're able to stand on your feet in 2023 because God's grace has brought you through. Things that were trying to knock you out, things that were trying to take you out. God has protected you. He's provided for you. And you can say bye-bye to that old stuff. And say, Lord, I'm walking into the new. Paul was pointing out that I'm not going to allow the things that are trying to stop me. To stop me from doing what God has called me to do. And if I hear courage today, that God is able to move us forward. Paul shows us that something was inside of me that helped me to make it, and that gives us endurance. Paul shows us how God can give us the endurance. He can give us the strength. He can give us the capacity to do what he wants us to do. Paul is pointing out again, as he looks back in his past, that he's not proud of who he was before Christ. He, 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 he tells us before that uh, I, I wasn't the best before I knew who Christ is. And we can use that as our own testimony that I was not my best before I knew who Christ is. But when I know him for who he is, then I change and I'll live a life that brings glory and brings honor unto them. Then I start realizing that though I, I may be a fragile vessel, but yet I am a treasure in my fragility. I am a claim of mortal flesh. But in this claim, I have been deposited with the Spirit of God. The Spirit that God has placed upon us is a deposit. This deposit means that I'm coming back to pick up what I claim to be mine. And so I want to encourage you to understand that no matter what has been done in the past, but once you have met Jesus, once you have accepted Jesus, your personal Lord is saying, Jesus being your guiding post, you say goodbye to the old and hello to the new. And you start experiencing new things, which means things you have not experienced before. Things that you have not been aware of or the founder that our God is a good God. That he has made a way out of ways that have been difficult, that have been hard, that have been strong, but yet now I'm able to rise above the stuff that used to knock me down. The stuff that used to get me irritated and perplexed and 
like to say, but now I'm able to pray for them and bless them and curse them. The burdens that used to make me not call in and say, I'm not going in the work today. I ain't got time for any this. But you can walk in, you can bless them and encourage them and realize that they feel better because you showed up because you came with the spirit of God. I'm talking to somebody here. That when you understand, I'm going to be changed to do something new because of the endurance and the power that God has put in me. I'm walking in this time. Paul shows us that he was working in fact, and fragility. Uh, but we see how he says that he's including how he's not alone in this. That we too can partner in this stage. We walk with looking forward to what is greater before us and not beholding to what is behind us. We press on with heaven in our view. We still look back in this fifth chapter, verse 6 to 8. Look what he's talking about before we get to verse 17. We, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, but then we'll be at home with the Lord. We encourage each other in times of passing under the absence of the body, is to be present with the Lord. Paul is saying, that's where I'd rather be. But since I'm here, I've got work to be done. And this work I'm doing now, I realize that I am a citizen in the kingdom of God. So let me walk holy. Let me live holy. Let me show others what salvation looks like. This hope and salvation we have is based on the Lord. So let me not hold on to the stuff that's going to turn me away. It's going to weigh me down. It's going to push me away from God. It's going to interrupt our relationship with God. Let me stay focused on my goal. Again, going back in this new year, having set some goals for yourself. And you have some ideas of what you want to do that will help you to increase and multiply and be greater this year than the past. You know, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get my raise. I'm going to buy a new car. I'm going to get a new house. I'm going to retire and go on travel around or whatever your goal. And my question is, in, in adding into these goals, have you placed the priority to make sure that it's all right with To live boldly with him. To know him that he is our hope and our salvation. To live in total submission to the Lord means that I can let go of my plans and trust in him. Live now walking with him and look forward to the time that will be with him and knowing that God is keeping good track of our work. This is why Paul says this in verse 11. It says, because we understand our fearful responsibilities, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. I want to highlight here that when Paul is pointing out that we are fearful of our responsibility to the Lord, this word in the Greek where we get fear is the same way we get the word phobia or fear. But this fear he's not talking about as a horror fear, as something to be afraid of, something to be scared of that interests you. And that threatens your life. But this fear is a fear of reverence, a fear of awe, a fear of respect. And basically understanding that because how great God is, that yes, he is able to judge, but he's also able to bless. And because of our responsibility, what is Paul's responsibility? You're asking some good questions here. His responsibility is to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. 
And they had those who were upset about him preaching this gospel. That's why he's been perplexed on every side, been crushed and knocked down, but not beaten and not broken because the Lord has given him an assignment. And doing this assignment, Paul understands that it's not going to be easy doing what God's called me to do. There's some people out there that are not happy that I'm being successful in doing what I am doing. There's some times in your life that you are going to be successful doing what God has called you to do. I say you to do. Sometimes you're doing what other people want you to do. It's not working out, but what God has called you to do, what he wants you to do, regardless of what people try to stop you, it's amazing how you make it. Because God has placed you in that position. Here's the situation what you're understanding is that Paul was saying that out of my respect, out of my reverence of God, I cannot lose focus on what he's called me to do. And, and, and he's pointing out is that he says, we work hard to persuade others, to preach, proclaim that others might be baptized and come to know Christ. And he says this, he says, if you don't know my heart, God. No, it's not all. I see that in the text. I want to encourage you that sometimes people will never know your intentions. No matter how you can say it to them, you can write it out on the board and say, This are my intentions. They'll be like, I don't believe you. That's fine. Because you cannot change their mind, but yet you got to stay focused and do what God's called you to do. Sometimes we are trying to please so many people, we never please ourselves, and you're still disappointed. You're still depressed, you're still aggravated because you're not getting the acceptance that you're looking for. And they'll drop. They may never accept you, but God will always love you. Hmm. So, why would you want to do something to someone who does not love you, who does not care for you, who does not really care whether you succeed or fail? But yet, a God that sent his only begotten son. To die on the cross for your sins so that you might have life and life more abundantly. A God that tells you that he will love you and never leave you. A God that says that he will complete a good work in you to the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A God that tells you with man is impossible. With God, all things are possible. A God that tells you that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why would you want to reject him? And please those who tell you that to your face they don't like you. Tell you to your face, no matter what you do, I'm not going to like you. But yet you would rather make them happy than a God that's already smiling at you. A God that's already been protected for you, provided for you, helped you out. When you did not know what was going on, God had your back. When you were unable to call out, God already reached out. To fear the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 1 and 7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. And the fool despise wisdom and discipline. Our God calls us to follow Him. To fear Him is to worship Him. Because we fear Him, we will bring glory to Him. Because we, we understand He is worthy of all glory and all the praise. And also, not only this, that we said we fear Him not only because He's righteous, but He can judge and He can bless. And I want you to know that God will judge us for our works. We will be judged for our works. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so this love does not mean that let me be scared of him, but this love does not mean let me do right so I don't get punishment, but this love helps me to understand that even in my mess, even though I mess up, even though I have issues in my life that are not 
quite right. Even though I am messed up on the floor of God's love is still good to me. John 4, 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expends all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. You understand what I'm saying here? That I don't fear him because of his punishment. I fear him because of his love. And because I fear because of his love, I want to do the things that brings glory and honor to him. This love moves me to seek a better life than Christ. This love moves me to be obedient to Christ. This love moves me to go past my old self and look towards my future in Christ. Back in the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians 14, says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for us, we also believe that we have all died in our old life. Verse 15 says, he died for everyone. To those who receive his new life, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This new you in the new year can help you discover this new love that Christ will lavish on you every day of your life. This amazing love will revive you and give you energy. That's why when we understand this new love that gives us a new life to our verse 17 says this means that anyone that means you who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When we look at this text, I want you to highlight here that it's pointing out what was old is gone and what is new has begun. What's pointing out again that what is old is something that is dead, that is lifeless, that has nothing to do with you. And hold on to this. We understand this because many of us exchange gifts over Christmas. So we got something new to replace something old. And, and that old thing, sometimes we remove it from the position that it's in. It was a position of space, a position of hierarchy, a position of everybody can see. But when you get something new, you put that in that new position. And so we, sometimes in our lives, there's some things that we got to rearrange and put in a proper problem. Other times, there's some things that are so old and they're no longer useful that we remove them. We may donate them or we may throw them away as we replace them with something new. But maybe some of you might have been traveling. Maybe you might have said it this way, that you're traveling, you'll find out that you're going to a place and what you have, you don't need when you're going to another place. And you find out that if you want to take this back, that you do not need to go to this new place where they're going to give you everything that you need. But they said, you want to take that old stuff, it's going to cost you. Here's a fee. And you realize that I now was to pay this fee for this love that I do not need. So I will leave this old stuff here and I'll walk for a future for my new thing. I'm talking about here. The old stuff is holding you down and weighing you back, but you want to let go of the old so you have room for the new. When we hold on to what is good and what is true, we're holding on to who is Jesus. Each day is a new day and a new experience in God's love. And enjoying of being reconciled right with him. When we look at being a new person, means that I'm no longer who I used to be. 
and people will tell you about who you used to be. I remember when, and they can laugh and tell stories about how you used to be. And you can let them know that's not who I am anymore. You can't tell them that that's who I used to be, but allow you, but allow me to introduce myself to you as being born again, washed by the blood of the Lamb. That I've been baptized, and I've been refreshed, and I've been revived. That that old self is gone, and it is this new self. This new self no longer does those old things. Those old things used to make me laugh, and I used to smile, and used to think it was cool to be those things, but now I'm a fool for Christ. I get lost in his word. I get lost in his love. I'm so grateful that I don't have to hold on to anger and spite, but I learned how to forgive. I learned how to be merciful. I learned how to be patient. I learned how to pray for those who get trying to kill me, who try to despise me, who try to step on me, but I found out that my enemies sometimes on my footstools, and, and so they try to knock me down, and I realize they help me to get higher because I'm walking over them. I'm stepping on them, and Christ is lifting me up and putting me in the position where I ought to be, so I don't look back to see where I used to be, but I'm looking forward to see where I'm going to be, and I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be with him in heaven, and I'm going to walk them right now like I'm already there because I've been born again. I've been washed by the blood. I've been set free, and I'm going to walk in my new. The order is gone. So when you think about this new life, I want you to love this new life. I'm saying that you have not received it, but you are receiving it. Y'all catch that? It's an ongoing process. It's a daily process. If you break down those days, it's an hourly process, a, a minute process, a second process. Every moment of our life, we need, Lord, help me to walk in this new. The enemy wants a distraction to help you to go back to the old self. Because he knows that person. He is scared of that new person. Because that new person will be able to tell others who Jesus is. That new person will be able to point out that I've been changed by the blood of the right. You said you know the old self. Let me introduce you to the new self. That loves the Lord because he heard my cry. Who, who knows that though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The old self would have messed up and given up, but the new self understands that though death comes, I know that life is still alive because Christ is still seated at the right hand. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. Look with me again, verse 18. It says that and all this is a gift from God. Thank God for his gift. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sin against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. 
as we love this new life, as Christ as our guidepost, as Christ as our vision, Christ as our goal, as we let go of the old and we embrace this new, I would encourage you to know that it's an ongoing process. That each day we wake up, Lord, make me new again. Let us be transformed, let us be new, let us be refreshed. May his breath breathe upon us and revive us. And how are we revived by his word? His word reminds us that we have been made right with God. We were once wrong with God. We were broken. We were not in a right relationship with God. But by his grace, through his, his son, our Lord and Savior, we received this great gift. This gift we have celebrated and remembered on Christmas that God steps into time by holding himself in flesh, being born of the Virgin Mary, that we call him Jesus. And in this Jesus, he became our sin offering. He who knew no sin became our sin so that we might not be punished. You see that fear again. We don't fear him because of punishment. We, we fear him because he loves us. He loves us so much that he withholds our punishment by sending Jesus so that he will suffer death to be absent from God, to be separated from God, so that we will never be separated from God, so that we will forever have a relationship and fellowship and right relationship with God. So we are, like Paul, we tell him to come back to God. God made Christ to die for our sins. So living in the love of God and the grace of God, this new opportunity comes from us to model not like, just like Paul, but also like Jesus. That we must give up this life we live for ourselves and live for God. This new life will give you new experiences. And it will expose you to see the awesomeness of God's power moving in your life. But you have to make that choice for yourself today. Whom will you serve? Whom will you seek after? Don't let your old become such a weight of heaviness that holds you down and limits you from moving forward to what God has before you. Walk with confidence. Walk boldly, knowing that God will place your feet on firm ground. That God will give you feet like a hind shoe that you can climb the rough side of the mountain. That God will give you feet that is able to walk on water. That God will give you the faith that you're able to tell mountain move and it'll move into the sea. That God will give you the faith enough that you can say, I won't. Do anything that's contrary to God, and you'll be able to withstand the fire of the furnace or the hungry lions in the mind. What I'm encouraged to understand is that when you are doing what God calls you, you will experience new things that you have not experienced living your whole life. Peter could not experience walking on water, he did not experience Christ in newness. Daniel would not have known how to speak in a lion's den with hungry lions and be alive, but he did not experience newness in God. What well, occurred that when we experience newness in God, we're able to overcome some things that would have destroyed us, that would have beaten us, that would have broken us, but we realize because God is with us. I mean, it's a part of this new creation we are. What makes us new is what He has put in us. If you know Jesus, 
as the Lord has said. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And this power reminds you of the Word of God, reminds you how He loves you, how He cares for you. And it is doing a work in you. So breathe not the Holy Spirit, so feed the Spirit. So you've got to spend some time in your Word. Spend some time in prayer. You don't have to make a New Year's resolution. This year I'm going to be more time in the Bible. Let's say every day, though, I'm going to spend some time with you. Then you be more in the Word. But each day is a daily task. Don't try to do it for the week or do it for the month. And say, Lord, today I'm going to spend some time with you. And see how you have new experiences because of the enlightenment you're getting, the wisdom you're getting from being in this world. So go the home and embrace it. Father, we just thank you. That the old is gone and the new has begun. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us new life in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, it's not the parting of the counter that makes something new. But it's you that changed our hearts, that changed our minds, and changed our lives by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And so, Lord, we pray for those who may not know Jesus. But Lord, they heard the gospel today. And then, Lord, I want to know Jesus as our Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for that they can confess in their mouth and believe in their heart that Christ is Lord. And that he died on the cross for his sins. And that he rose from the grave on the third day. And Lord, he is now exalted and seated at the right hand of the Father in Lord, I pray that if I believe in the priest of the church, I can baptize them and welcome them to the salvation of the fellowship. So we will lead them, guide them, direct them, and lead them. And Lord, help us all to walk in the newness of life in you. That we embrace your love, your grace, your mercy. In Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen. As it is first Sunday, and on this first Sunday, we look to celebrate and commemorate and remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so if you have not received the elements, just raise your hand and see us and nurses can help you out to receive the elements. Those who are worship with us at home, uh, if you have elements or you have some crackers or some juice, you'd like to join in with us to celebrate the breaking of the bread and drinking of the cup together to welcome to so. And so as we look into this, to our Lord, let us pray. Father, as we bless this bread, bless this fruit of this vine, that as we eat of this and we drink of this, we do so in remembrance of your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And Lord, we do so until we're coming back again. Amen. On the night of Jesus' betrayal, he sat down with his twelve disciples, he took up the bread, he blessed the bread, and he broke the bread, it said, this is my body. Eat. Let us eat together. Likewise, he took of the cup and he blessed the cup. He said, this is my blood. He poured out for the innocence of sins. Drink ye all of it. And let us drink together. The gospel record that they gathered everything so that none would be lost and they didn't sing the hymns. So let us do the same.
God. We continue to worship God and pray that you got this time and our offer. And we welcome the gift in the app.
For the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with us and be this place and from his presence. They're all meeting in all times to sing together.